everyone. Welcome to the Self-Published Strong Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Pierce, and I'm joined today by my husband. Hi, I'm Nolan. And if you're listening for the first time, this show is the best, the best podcast for publishing and marketing tips, motivational quotes, and tons of advice and ideas on the craft of writing itself based off of good and horrible movies. And some other stuff. And some other stuff. Which is today. <laughs> Which is today. We aren't doing a movie today. We are doing um, basically uh, a bunch of takeaways from the Business Masterclass put on by Dean Wesley Smith and Christine Catherine Rush in Vegas. Which, again, I highly, highly, highly recommend you here. <laughs> I just noticed that my husband has his top button undone on his shirt. The top two buttons. <laughs> it's hot in here. It is hot in here. I'm not helping. <laughs> you're you're right. You're not helping how hot it is in here. You need a gold chain if you're going to be doing that. I do have one somewhere. A gold chain to wear around your neck. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, as I've said before, if you have not been to this conference, I seriously highly recommend it. Um, I went two years in a row. I've gone two years in a row, and I'll be back again next year uh, as an instructor. And this year, seriously, things really sunk in that did not did not last year. And yes, there is some repeat stuff, but it is super beneficial to have things repeated because then you actually learn, you know? Repetition. Yeah, exactly. So do you have any updates today? Uh, just plugging away at um, smart work. Yeah. Uh, working on a book cover for the local elementary school. That one. Yes. Yeah. Working on it. that one. Just uh, did the print cover version today. We did the ebook cover yesterday. Mm -hmm. So that's coming together. We'll be probably posting that on Instagram some point. Mm -hmm. Not quite yet. Probably right before publication or something. I yeah. Know. I type said type said the book today. Yep. So that and... yeah, we just got to write the the back cover copy and put that on there, and then we should be pretty much that should be it. Mm-hmm. And we'll get a proof, of course, and we'll order a proof and see how it looks. Yeah. But, um, yeah. So yeah, we're using KDP print for the first time. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah, it'll be a new experience for us. Um, but, yeah, so that's a project we're completing mm -hmm. very soon. Yeah. Yeah, we hung also hung my dry erase board in, in the office right there where I can have my weekly goals. So also good. that'll help me stay on track. Now that I don't have morning sickness, which, oh, my goodness, knock on wood, there's no real wood around me. Dang it. It's all fake. <laughs> fake Ikea wood. Uh, anyway. There's a guitar over there. It's real wood. Oh, I'm not going to knock on my guitar. <laughs> uh, yeah, having a, a... I do weekly goals because I've discovered that daily goals are too hard to accomplish and monthly goals are too broad. And so I do weekly goals and I put them on a dry erase board and I check them off when I finish them. And I've um, got my, I've got forbidden knowledge to my street team and my review crew. So they're working on reading that right now. I am doing a giveaway to get them to read it in time. And hopefully that'll encourage reviews. I'll let you all know how that goes. And um, let's see, I'm, I'm a quarter of the way through the writing of the last book in that series, which looking forward to getting it finished. Just, it's always exciting to have another series done. I also boxed up the Mosaic Chronicles for the first time ever. Books one through four in one box set, five through seven in another, and eight through ten in another. And I've been meaning to do that for a while, and I've had readers request it, you know, the ones that prefer box sets, which I'm actually going to start leaning towards box sets. I've discovered that even if I like the first book, I almost never go and download the second book because it's too far away. It's too <laughs> hard, <laughs> which says that I probably didn't enjoy it enough, you know, because the books that I really enjoy, I go out immediately and get the next book, but I would read them, you know, if I had the box sets. So I think I'll be 
looking at doing box sets more often because I like supporting authors. Anyway, <laughs> um, let's see. We are not going to do a tip today or a quote today because the whole episode is tips and quotes. And I was going through and, and trying to decide, oh, and there is a dog outside our window. And yes, it's way too hot in here to shut the window. Naturally, the dog didn't start barking until we started recording. Almost sounds like it's getting tortured. <laughs> At least it's not an airplane. Yeah, like... And vast amounts of echoing. If that gets much worse, we might have to shut the window. Uh, anyway, so I had a really hard time narrowing things down for this for the for this um, overview, and I ended up deciding to do just four of the presentations because there's just so much meat in all of them. And the rest of my notes, I'm going to turn into tips for future episodes, with the encouragement that you go to the conference if you can because it's like I said, absolutely fantastic. We're leaving a lot out. We are leaving a ton out. Even if, even with me doing a tip regularly from now on, I will still never be able to cover everything. Yeah. Uh, let's see. One other thing. Uh, the storybundle.com forward slash nano bundle is still available, and that's going to be available for another two weeks. So if you haven't grabbed your copy yet, go grab it before the deadline. That one is going to be fantastic. It's got, like I said, the how to write a novel in 10 days and being a successful author and a healthy author and all of, all of that in there. Anyway. Okay. So what I've done here is I've got a bunch of, of notes, like I said, and I'm going to be making Nolan uh, discuss some of them with me. And some of them we're just going to glaze over just because we've discussed it so much. <laughs> but... The biggest takeaways from the conference itself were time, patience, and one other one, but time and patience first off. Like it takes time for things to happen and you have to have patience. Very important things. And then one of the quotes they gave right off the beginning is don't, and this is a double negative, but I haven't figured out how better to word it. Don't not try something just because it'll take effort and time. Don't avoid trying something. Yeah, don't avoid something new just because it'll be hard or will take time. There we go. Thank you. <laughs> You're the writer here. <laughs> sultry. It's sultry, yes. <laughs> it was a sultry night. <laughs> the night was sultry. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so yeah, don't avoid doing something. Don't put it off. Don't hesitate. Don't be afraid to do something just because it'll take time and effort. Because everything you do that's going to be worth it is going to take time and effort. Nolan actually, and I actually got into a discussion about this. I was raised to believe that one should work smarter, not harder. And as I've become an author and gotten to know this, this business, I've realized that's not quite true. Um, uh, I mean, what did we, I mean, obviously, and we discussed this for a little while. And I you mean, have to work smarter and harder. Yeah, you have to do both. You have to do both. You can't, you can't be willing to just put brains into yeah, it working smarter not harder it feels like you're just looking for shortcuts yeah which are good yeah exactly but you use that to output more work not to get do out, less get work. out of doing work yeah like a, an employee if you're if you're working a full-time job an employee who works smart and hard will get noticed more than one who works well, smart well, it's not just that if you're at work and you find out a smart way to do something you don't get to go home early generally <laughs> they st yeah. you're still there for the eight hours right but you yeah. could do more work in the same period of time yeah exactly and unfortunately people who work smart but don't work hard they don't get noticed in in workplaces you have to be willing to do both you know mm -hmm. so yeah. So I, I believe strongly you need to be working smart. You can't just, I mean, if you're not working smart, there's no point in working hard because you're wasting your time. You're going in circles. 
So yeah, don't, don't hesitate to do something just because it's hard or you have to brain your way through it, you know? Let's see. Okay, so the first discussion, I mean, the first presentation we're going to talk about is one called, it's just a business overview. And I don't remember who was on this panel, which is horrible of me. I'm sorry about that. I didn't start taking notes on that part of things until later in the day. But okay, so they talked about how you need to pay for your business as you go. Don't go into debt because you never know if something's going to work out. And if you go into debt to do it, then it's the chance, the risk is a lot higher, you know, and that causes stress for you. That causes relationship problems. If you're in relationships, all of that. So use cash you have on hand. And then one thing that I really liked, and I do want to discuss this, all businesses must grow. And they say not necessarily bigger, but changes have to happen. I mean, why, why was that such a big point they made? Um, industries change, tastes change. You have to have new products. I mean, even how many different boxes or crackers for the same crackers are there? Mm -hmm. They don't change the recipe. They change the box. They say new look. They even tell you it's just a new look on the box. Yeah, exactly. They didn't change the contents. No. Yeah. But in order to get noticed, things have to be changing. People fall into patterns. They start ignoring your stuff. Exactly. And your business, if it's not changing and growing and getting better, it will fail. And I think that's one thing that a lot of authors, the ones that we've talked about who complain that readers aren't buying their books anymore, that's what they're that's what they're finding. I mean, they're unwilling to make changes and unwilling to branch into something they're not comfortable in. And I'm not saying like write it write a different genre. I'm saying try a new marketing tactic, you know? Um, broaden your horizons, go to a conference that's maybe expensive like this one, but will open your eyes and totally change how you run your business. Um, yeah. Okay. So, and then plan for failure and success. They talked about how a lot of authors, they plan for failure. They expect failure, failure, and they only plan for a smidgen of success. And some authors that plan for, don't plan for huge success and have them, their businesses fail mm -hmm. because like some authors, they, they're like, they don't plan for big success of like a realistic success. Like one, like I've mentioned this before, one of my author friends quit his job when his trilogy went really big. And then guess what happened? He didn't have any other books to, for people. So he had a huge success and he didn't plan on how to take that money and make his business better. He quit his job instead and then didn't produce as much because when you quit your job, you have more time and you do less work at, for Initially, the first couple yeah, of months. Least, yeah. Until you adjust. Yep. Anyway, so plan for success and plan for failure. Don't, you know, don't expect to be a failure. Plan for huge success. Just make sure you know what you'll do if you get, say, $500,000 in one month or something like that, which, you know, not as, doesn't happen as often, but... But they, under that talk there, they mentioned JK Rowling. She only made 8% on her books. And the con the point they made with this, that is freaking easy for an indie author to do on one book because indie authors make 70% royalties. And so JK Rowling made 8% on her books. Her publishers made a whole lot more than that, but an indie author making 70% can easily match her royalties on one book. And so that's not winning the lottery. There's a lot of authors out there who are doing that. JK Rowling became very wealthy, not, I mean, once the movie started coming out and they had more people buying her books, you know, and merch merchandising, and then she started doing her eBooks, you know, I mean, she, she had eBook rights. Yeah. She had her, she kept her eBook rights, which is genius, but nobody knew back then, you know, anyway, so 
Um, yeah, so plan for failure and success and just recognize that it's a lot easier for indie authors to hit the lottery, so to speak, than it is for traditionally published authors. And it's not even hitting the lottery. It happens all the time. Okay. So one thing they talked about was how much is it costing me to continue investing in a series or book? And if it's costing you to continue investing, to drop that series or book. And I had a, I had a a point here to make for us to discuss. Um, it's not fair to a series. If you're releasing a book a year and you say the series isn't doing anything, I need to stop writing the series and start another one. Because if you're only writing once a year, no series will succeed. True. Yeah. Um, so if you are releasing one book a year and the series isn't doing as well as you'd like, you, you, I mean, reevaluate, see if you can write faster or, you know, hold back releases. I don't know. What would the answer be in this case? It depends on what else you're doing. I mean, if, really, mm-hmm. if that's all you can do, then you just have to realize that you're never going to be successful to start yeah. up. Um, not unless your books are so finely crafted that it takes you three or four times longer to write than someone else, which I doubt. Yeah, and even then, there are some really finely crafted books out there that just do in, not get discovered. In theory, you should gain speed over time. As you get better at it. So if you're like, well, I did one book last year and I did one book this year, it's like, well, you should probably be doing one and a half. I mean, you should mm-hmm. have the process down. You should set yeah. up a pipeline. Mm-hmm. expectations, you know, like when you need your book cover done and how to put everything together and how to post. I mean, you're not figuring that stuff out anymore. You should know how to do it. So you should be producing slightly more. Yeah. I mean, it's not going to be like you go from one to like eight books all of a sudden. Unless something major changes. But I mean, in terms of like the same amount of time going yeah. into it. Yeah, exactly. If you put, you know, like a hundred hours into it, you should have the producing more during your second hundred hours than your first hundred hours. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, if if your book series, your series or book is not doing as well as you'd like, you need to look at lurking variables. Don't just blame the series. But if you are releasing quickly and you're doing the best you can and it's just not going anywhere, it's not getting traction, then don't invest your time or money into it. I mean, tie it off, tie it off quickly. You know, like the when we were doing the local elementary school, the what was the name of that series? The Ranch City Academy. Yeah. Yeah. I planned on having four or five, six books in that series and we ended up ending at three and I tied it off in a way that was satisfying, but made, I was disappointed because I really looked forward to going further into things, but still, you know, it wasn't doing well. The kids were getting bored of it and it was time to move on to a different topic, you know, different thing. So, okay. So here's the other thing. If you're not as prolific as others and it's your choice, so you choose to you know, do other things, you know, spend time watching TV, you know, traveling, spending time with your family, things like that. Don't beat yourself up, accept the consequences of your choices. So recognize that when you sacrifice one thing for another, the one thing you're sacrificing is going to suffer. And if it's your business, you're sacrificing, your business will suffer. And don't beat yourself up over that. These, the, if that's your choice. I mean, you're like, yes. you know what, I, I'm not going to put more than one book's worth of time a year into it. Yeah, It's just not worth it to me. Yeah. But then just have a reasonable expectation that... Yeah, reasonable expectation that you're not going to make a whole lot of money. And don't don't compare yourself to other people. Don't beat yourself up. Yeah, because... Uh, in 10 years, you'll have 10 books. In 20 years, you'll have 20 books. That sounds very sad. <laughs> but if it's still, a choice, you know? Yeah, I mean, you know, it depends on your motivation. If, like, mm-hmm. you really wanted to take over for, you, you know, your primary job, then you need to trade it as a second job. But if you're just doing it... As a passion project, and you maybe you make some decent side money at it, but you're mm-hmm. not 
really willing to give up fun stuff to do it and do fun stuff. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with doing fun stuff. Exactly. And then also, like in the case of those of us who have young kids, things are out, things outside of your control, like illness, uh, death in the family, things like that. Don't beat yourself up again over that as well, because everybody goes through phases where you're just yeah I'm unable mean, to. So life happens. Sounds like an excuse, and I, I used to feel that way when yeah. I was younger. I'm like, me too. How can you live until we had life? kids? And I'm like, <laughs> oh yeah, there are literally more important things than your book. No, yeah, you know, it's exactly there are. I mean. Life and death is yep. <laughs> more important than your book. Yeah, I mean, exactly. It really just is. So. And, and I'm like, Nolan, I didn't, I had a hard time with that. Like when I was in college, I focused so much on my, my first book that I almost failed college. And I realized, you know what? I have one semester left. I cannot afford, I've put too much time and money into this. So I put my book aside for a whole entire semester and didn't touch it once. And I'm going to say that actually made it more beneficial. It was a better product because I stopped focusing on it for a while. And I learned and grew through the classes I was taking and the experiences I was having. I passed my classes, I graduated, and then I picked up the book and I made it stronger. And so sometimes those life choices can actually make you a better writer, you know? Yeah. Especially early on, you need to get the distance from your project sometimes and life life choices i mean not choices life life things you know occurrences like deaths in the family or illness that makes you a more well-rounded author in my opinion because the more you experience of life the more emotions the gambit you become a better and more well well well-rounded author Okay, so going on to a presentation that was by Chris Catherine Rush um, on Hollywood. She had so much material. It was one of the best presentations at the conference, and I only picked four things because, well, it's technically, yeah, it's four things. Um, Okay, so don't go to Hollywood. Let them come to you. Uh, Writers who go to Hollywood seeking representation tend to get bad deals. And their contracts are worse. They, they end up with bad producers, bad everything. So you, this is where the time and patience comes in. If you want your books to be made into something big, then wait. And once they're big enough, and we'll talk about that in David Farland's presentation, then you'll be approached. Um, and then she says, make sure you have an email address or contact form on your website. Do not put your phone number up because any, everything has to be through email. You do not want anything to be in person or on the phone because those are impossible to, to track unless you have it recorded. But even still, you know, you need it in writing. So have them contact you through your website or through your email. And then if somebody approaches you for a shopping agreement, that's great, but do not, when you sign that contract, you make sure it says it after a year that your rights revert back to you. And if they want it again, they have to rebuy it. And because uh, people tend to sit like these shopping, these shoppers, they're looking basically for a producer or studio to take up your idea and they make money and you make money. They will, they'll just buy up a whole bunch of stuff and then they sit on things. And that's really bad for you. You want to have that deadline for them so that they're more motivated. And so you get more rights back and more money in the long run. And then she says, if, if you get contacted by Hollywood, anyone who says that they are a producer, um, Google their name, find out if they really are, if it's not a scam. But if they are, then sign up for an IMDb Pro account because it will show you what they do and say on IMDb. And there's forums and things like that. You want to make sure that these people are legit. They don't have bad reputations. They're not bad-mouthing you or bad-mouthing anyone else uh, before you agree with anything with them. And then... Um, let's see. Yeah. Like I said, there's a ton of stuff in her, in her thing. She gives 
she gives some really good tips on ways to make money as a writer. And it doesn't have to do just with selling the rights to the book. It, there's like so many things. And David Farland talks about them too. There are tons and tons of ways that a writer can make money. Like they can be the screenwriter. They can be an executive producer. They can be the onset. Um, oh, what's it called? What did I tell you? Onset writer. Onset writer. They can have a consultation, be a consultation writer. And there's all sorts of ways that one person can make money and they do. And Stephanie Meyer, David Farland made a comment about this. He told her, you know, she was a student. He, she was his student. He says, if you're ever approached, then this, this, this is what you need to do. And he said, I was very pleased to see that she did all of that. And so she made more money off of her books when they became movies. And so talking about David Farland um, and going on to him, and he talked about Hollywood as well. If you have less than a million readers, they'll probably pass. And so this is the whole, don't let them, don't, don't go to them. Let them come to you. If you're big enough, they'll come to you. And if they approach you and you're not as big as they thought you would be, then they'll pass. And don't, don't be as sad about that. It's just part of life. Okay. So he says, when you have the contract, you want to make sure it says to pay on principal photography, because that basically is, you're getting paid when they start shooting. And a lot of the times he, he, he and Chris, everybody who has experience with it talked about how corrupt and how evil Hollywood is. And they're like, he says, studios and producers are not good people. They will do everything they can to screw you out of money and out of your rights and out of your freedom and everything. He says that a lot of them will put in the contract that they'll pay you upon distribution, which theoretically means when the movie gets that out. But there's fine print that doesn't get in the contract that says distribution. It has to reach 10 million theaters across the world. Right, right. They, they define distribution as something else. Outside That's completely of unachievable yeah. by most people. And so your movie will be showing in every theater across the country, but it's not distributed yet because it hasn't reached every theater across the world. And so he says, just watch out for things like that. And then he says, independent producers will be the ones who come. Big producers won't unless there's a huge budget. And by huge, I mean like Marvel huge. And so don't be frightened. Don't be frightened or worried if, a, if an independent producer comes, especially one that you don't know about, then do what Chris says and do the IMDb pro thing. And then he says, don't go with new producers. He says they're, they're known in the industries as puppies who piddle on everyone and everything. And they end up getting cease and desist letters and people just hate being around them because they're just this eager puppy that jumps all over everything. And as he says, piddles everywhere. So go with producers who have done something because they're going to be more respected. And even if they haven't done a whole lot, they'll know how to do it without ruining your reputation and theirs. Uh, let's see. Okay. So yeah, like I said, there are tons of ways to make a writer, make money as a writer with your movie and your book, tons and tons and tons. And this is where I'm going to have to do this either as future tips or just tell you, just go to the conference. So the next thing he says, and this is something that makes me really sad because a lot of my author friends have done this. Do not, do not get a literary agent to handle your Hollywood negotiations or contracts. Any TV or movie rights should not be and cannot be handled successfully by a literary agent because they are not equipped or experienced enough to do it. Some of them do, um, do handle those things, but he's, his recommendation is to get a Hollywood film agent because it's their life. It's their business. Just like you wouldn't go to an attorney who does adoptions and ask them to sue your best friend or something like that. You know, you wouldn't go to somebody who does estate plannings and say, Hey, help me divorce my spouse. They're not going to be able to do the best for you. And you're going to end up wasting money and time. 
and by wasting money and time, literary agents have a bad reputation for getting their the rights of their clients messed up in contracts with Hollywood. And so you you want to make sure you've got somebody who knows how to protect your rights in Hollywood land. And he again emphasized at this point that Hollywood studios and producers are corrupt and they will exploit you. And he says he's never met one who would not do that. And so you make sure you're well represented by somebody who actually does this for a living, not on the side like a literary agent would. Okay, so here's something that I discovered about the conference. A lot of it um, is stuff that does not apply unless you go big. But this is the whole point is you plan for going big. You need to know this stuff in case next year you have a novel that takes off. It would suck if you go big and then get screwed. You're like, I'm finally, I'm successful. And then... Yeah. Boom. This is exactly what we're talking about though, yep. at the beginning of the episode, though. Yeah. Just being prepared for and, success. And that's actually something that they told us about. Uh, they told us that Hunger Games, um, what's her name? Suzanne Collins. She only made $50,000 off of the first Hunger, Hunger Game movies, Hunger Games movie, because she had a horrible representative and she didn't know that, you know, these things that you need to fight for. And Chris actually talks about in her presentation, she goes over the different things that you need to fight for in your contract to make sure you are well represented and that you get what you need and you don't get walked over. And, um, yeah, so I felt really bad about that. I'm like hunger games is a huge book, huge trilogy, um, quadrilogy. What are they called? It was a trilogy, but the movie, Oh, the movie they made into four. That's right. And she only made $50,000 off of that first movie, uh, which, uh, David, or I can't, I think it was David. He says that sometimes you need to get your foot in the door. And so $50,000 is kind of like a loss leader. Uh, and right, cause if they buy the series, it doesn't matter. Then they, you. they make money off of the rest. Otherwise you don't get picked up at all. And then you made zero dollars. Exactly. So. so just keep that in mind. Um, the next presentation is, was one on discoverability by Chris and Dean, and they made this emphasis, they emphasized this again, it takes time to get discovered. You have to be patient, you have to be willing to just sit it out and do the best that you can to produce quality work and, you know, send out all those feelers, make sure you've got things set up correctly. But they, they said there's no reason to be in a hurry. And they compared authors to bananas and Twinkies. Bananas have a short shelf life and Twinkies have a long shelf life. Our goal is to be a Twinkie. And because this is not like a six month plan, this is a 10 year, 20 or 50 year plan. You know, you want to make sure that you're doing things right now, doing things correctly now so that down the road you have less work to do and you have more chances of being discovered. And they talked about, Chris talked about making sure you have lots of entry points into your world and your ecosystem. So that doesn't necessarily mean one series that means your books so she puts stories and anthologies all the times all the time like you can be involved in box sets with other authors and just making sure your books aren't a lot of different retailers i know a lot of people are very very stuck on just being in kindle unlimited but that's that does limit your reach quite a bit and i do i mean if your page reads drop off too much you might as well take it wide exactly some authors make a killing in kindle limited but you need to have a plan in case kindle limited falls apart you know and recognize that just because you're doing well in kindle limited i mean your your income could drop by 95% if you get booted out of kindle limited and it will take you a year sometimes even two to get discovered on other platforms and so bank the money you make a whole lot of money stick in the bank don't go out and buy a brand new car or something like that because a year later you might need that money desperately and so yeah make sure you've got lots of entry points into your little world your little system your books 
and then make sure the basics are spot on. The cover fits the genre and your stories. The sales copy, make sure you know how to do sales copy and then make sure your writing fits what you're advertising. Meaning if you're saying you're writing a paranormal romance, make sure you're writing a paranormal romance. And that's pretty much it on my takeaways. I mean, seriously, that's four presentations and there were, I don't even know how many, like 10 a day. And, um, and that was for, like a, for a week for a week. And I, there's no way I'd be able to go over everything. Like it was just, there's just way too much. And so, uh, any comments, I mean, any thoughts on your part? I wasn't there, <laughs> but, um, no, it's all, it's good stuff. It's good stuff. Yeah. It's more, it's more high level. Yeah. That's the whole is, point of the yeah, conference. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, if you're serious, then go, if you're the one book a year person, maybe not. Yeah, exactly. One book a year, you're not going to make back the 750. The, the yeah, I mean, maybe you do, but yeah. Um, so yeah, if you're looking to turn it up, there's a lot of high level authors there. Oh yeah, there's it's pretty awesome. See, so and and not just authors, but like industry people. Yeah, we had a gaming a guy who is an author, but also does games. Pretty much everybody there is also an author, yeah, even if they exactly. do other things. That's yeah. why they they're in that industry, but yeah. they realize you know like book funnel or whatever. Yep. Um, yeah, Damon Courtney's an author, but he also runs book funnel. Exactly. Yep. So there, there's a lot of dual. Yeah. They they have a business component to yeah, what they're exactly. doing as, in addition to being an author. Yeah. So that's I mean, and that's literally what this conference is for. It's for mm-hmm. author businesses. Yeah, so. exactly. Yeah, the guy, Lauren, I don't remember his last name, but he talked about um, gaming. Like, he's been involved in the gaming industry for, like, 15, 20 years. And how how much of a great advantage it gives authors if they convert their stories into, into games. I mean, there's so many different ways to exploit your IP, you know? You can do audio, you can do games, you can do movies, you can do... Um, Oh, geez, I'm, I'm total brain fart right now. But seriously, there's, I mean, you think about it, you can do it. You know, merchandise and um, kids books. Like you, you have an adult series. Why can't you have a kids series that's, you know, is the same, but stems from it, you know? Like, for example, we did for the local elementary school, we have a story, a series of books about a boy who, two boys who learn how to raise people from the dead. And I plan to eventually write a, a return to that as adults where they find out when they sent those people back from being alive, they didn't do it properly and they have to fix a whole lot of stuff, which is going to be exciting because the kids at the school voted to have Hitler be brought back from the dead <laughs> during yeah. the last book. And so that'll, you know, you have so many different ways you can, you know, exploit and and make sure you're taking advantage of all of your internet in intellectual property rights and opportunities. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so that's it pretty much for this episode. Um, if you have any questions, go ahead and send me an email at Andrea at selfpublishedstrong.com. And Nolan, where can people find you? Uh, Art with Nolan on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Yeah. Mostly Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. We had a business strategy meeting, um, the other day where we discussed all the different ways that we can be, I mean, Nolan, he's going to be focusing on Instagram and increasing his audience and his art. And there's a whole bunch of stuff that we talked about that will help him do that. Yeah. We have, I mean, I have literally, literally, yes, literally hundreds mm-hmm. of, uh, images already ready to be uploaded and releasing one every couple of days. Yep. So just to help increase his audience and the material he's got. So when people find him, it's not like he's just got three pictures, you know? Exactly. So, I mean, it's not all relevant to what I'm doing. Some of it's years old, but I mentioned, you know, I just, yeah. and some of it's pretty darn good. So yeah. Anyway, Most of it um, is. so I regularly, 
if you follow me, there will be content mm -hmm. is my point. Yeah. And then, I mean, my focus is going to be on live videos on Facebook, and I'll talk about that more once I start doing that. But I've got lots of ideas for how to, again, the word exploit those videos, you know, different things I'm going to be doing with them. And Josh is going to be helping me out with that, which I appreciate. Um, speaking of which, we need to have another guest on. I think it's going to be Tristy next. I need to talk to her. And uh, let's see. Editor slash author. Tristy. Yeah, she's an editor slash author. She's doing really well with her books. All right. We're we're tired. We're going to end this, pod, this episode now. So, yeah. Go ahead and give us a shout if you have questions or anything. And we'll talk to you all later. Bye. Bye. Bye.